Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, hey, everybody, it's Prophet Ashley, and we are back live with the Paula Price Show after the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. We don't know what to do with ourselves around here. We have had such a powerful, amazing time in Tulsa. Those of you who came and were in attendance, we know how much your lives were changed, and so were oh, so was ours. Our lives were changed, um, I think, more than even we could fathom. We covered so many topics, um, Dr. Price, Chief Prophet Tala Price, Assistant Chief Prophet Al Spears. I taught an evening session. Prophet Adia taught our young people. And we all uh, stepped into the prophetic in present tense, which I think is so interesting because it immediately threw us into the future. What future? Not just God's future for our world, but Satan's planned future for God's kingdom and for our world. We learned more in this event than I even think we bargained for. And our attendees who, who came, um, were, their minds were blown at the revelation, the plan of darkness. I think the prophetic and present tense is a subject that is uh, under-discussed and certainly long overdue in the kingdom of God. We as prophets, uh, apostles, apostolic Christians, have got to be prepared for God's future. So much of what we learn about Christianity is about the now. It's about what is God doing now? How is it going to change me now? Uh, what can I get now? What's my personal prophecy now? How about my car? How about my house? And meanwhile, we've been so focused on what prophecy can do for us that we forgot uh, we need to actually see what prophecy is supposed to be doing for the Lord. What is the prophetic institution supposed to be doing for the Lord? So we learned so many things about this at this year's event, and now, and now, <laughs> the next question is: Now what? The event brought so much validation to our training program. We learned, and it was apparent, a weekend of powerful prophetic training, even from the one and only Dr. Paula Price is still not enough to be prepared for what's coming down the pike, what's already en route, what God has in store and what the enemy is trying to have in store. And uh, as we sat there, I kept thinking myself, I need more education. (laughs) I need more education. This isn't enough. I need more. Somebody give me another class. The apostles in training had a private training session with Dr. Price before the event which also blew our minds, and to say, we need more training. (laughs) You know you've had good training when you realize you need more training. (laughs) And Dr. Price is here 
I tell you, Superwoman, I think you need a cape. Don't you wish you had a cape with an endless power, a nap? Okay. Well. We've been going like 15, 14, 15 days straight. Oh, my God. Sure. Well, probably more like 60 days. I mean, there's a lot of preparation. Yeah, accreditation. There was a lot of preparation that went into this event. So many things happened at this event, which is why. We had the event itself. That's enough. Then there was Price University preparation. Dr. Price had some behind-the-scenes thing happening there. And then, in case that isn't enough, we had, taking it on with Paula Price, live audience recording of the show. So she had to shift her mind from teaching the world, slamming the devil, and then doing a television show. And we actually did two episodes in one because we're over here. That's what it is. Yeah, it's called being great. Yeah. You know, greatness. Uh, that's the real word. And liking what you do. And loving what you do. And honestly, it was great. I mean, we just couldn't get enough, even, and we just packed more in. <laughs> we had church on Sunday, baptism on Sunday night, scripturally organic, culturally unmodified. And let's talk about the family dinner. The family dinner. The family lunch on Saturday. The family dinner on Sunday. Everybody came and left satisfied. Wanting more. I talked to somebody yesterday, and she said, you know, truth be told, I was not ready to go home. <laughs> no. You know, you miss the family, but you're like, but uh, one more day, one more day. We were in the Doubletree, the Warm Place Doubletree Hotel, new location, great location. It's like the sweet spot for what we wanted to do. The environment, the staff, even spiritually, God could move. You know, when you go into certain places, Dr. Price, we know, mm-hmm. and the warfare meets you at the door. This was not the case. Yeah. We all okay. slept well. We slept well. So I need Dr. Price's phone. We I slept well in the hotel, and it was just, every again, everything we really needed it to be and what God needed it to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. I said we had a great time. The people were amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people who turned out were amazing. They made a powerful audience. Yes, they yeah. did. I think we might be selling our executive producer on a live audience broadcast. Could happen. You know? It could happen. Hey, he's he's game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he got to get the audience. <laughs> oh yeah, he that's all right. We we like but you got to get that audience in there. You know. And uh, but we had a really phenomenal time. I'd like to thank everyone who participated and who who came and, and, and just got involved. Thank you all for making it such a roaring success. I would also like to thank all of you who came early because, you, my goodness, we had a nice group that came early to help us. And so I thank you for your help in the concierge suites and in the classrooms and in all of the breakdown set up, put back together again and break it down one more time. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was amazing. We had a phenomenal time. A phenomenal time, and so um, I'm thinking as we as we go forward into what we're supposed to be doing, or what God has for us, great things are in store. I'm looking for the great things that are in store. The vision that came out of this. Oh yeah. But I, I have to tell you, I had a marvelous time. We have to, but I have to give it to that chief prophet. You know, oh yeah. Just the Wednesday warrior. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, took us to that Wednesday Warrior place. Well, I, you know, I, 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 if you will remember, I prophesied on uh, Sunday. I said we are going to reset the prophetic, 
And so I said it quite by the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost put it on me, and that's what I did. And I said, we are going to reset the prophetic. And as a result of saying that, we didn't know how God was going to do it. i got to be honest with you, but I knew the prophetic had to be reset because it was born wrong. You know, it was revived wrong. It was revived on the get, not wrong. Let me say this. It was revived invertedly. That's a better word because I don't think wrong is the actual word. I would have to say it was it was revived back in the late 70s, early 80s, re, um, in, invertedly. In other words, kind of like the cart before the horse thing. We made a big deal about prophesying, and I don't know if that, that's why I said I don't think it's wrong. But because we made a big deal about prophesying, but then again, how would you bring something like that back online? And so when God brought it back online in the late 70s and early 80s, um, everything was about the prophetic gifting and prophetic gift, which is why so many of you all are confused today. The prophetic gifting, my prophetic gift, because everything was about the gift. And so since we're still right after the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, um, but everything was about the gift, everything. It was your gift. It was my gifting. I mean, it wasn't just a prophetic, but in the case of prophetic, it was inverted. And so, we, you know, it's about my gift, my gift of prophecy. And then we had, you know, um, the wrong officer defining it. And then we had the wrong mention handling it and administrating it and developing curricula for it. So all in all, it was brought back online um, invertedly. Let me see if I can get my pad so I can make some notes. But anyway, um, I, I want to tell you now that over all, of, over all these time now, you know, we've had a good 30 years, you know, so um, close to 40 years where we've been putting it back together and bringing it online, bringing it online and all of that. Um, we've had that time. And as a result, as a result, we have hit a place now where it's ready to stand up and take its place. Now, we've had some good stuff. I mean, really, some good people out there, good prophets, good, you know, good teachers, and good material. But most of it is on the gift. I want to say to you, when the foundation is off, then the product is off. And so the foundation was gift. And the prophetic didn't start as a gift. See, that's where we're stuck. That's what you don't understand. And, and, and it, it cracks me up when people kind of come at me and they say, well, you know, um, that's, this is our gifting and this is how we, we, we're supposed to go or however way they do it. But truth be told, it never started as a gift. It never started as a function. It started as an official duty. It started as an office. See, there was no church. I'm, I'm going to keep saying, you know, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God said, it's not my word like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces. So since we're going to do I'm going to keep hammering this truth in this so I can break the rock of error that grew up around the initial. See, because it grew up around it. And so um, when, when God started the, his prophetics and he established Abel, it was an office. He was an officer of the most high God. And he came as a counterbalance to Satan's false prophecies that caused Adam and his wife Eve to be deluded and deceived and cast out of the garden. We will be talking with them about that in our afternoon. <laughs> they get us no faith. 
But so it didn't. So if, if, in order for things to go right, they must start right. And if they, if, if, in whatever direction they start, whatever platform they start on, that is the place it's going to be. There were no apostles. Prophets kick-started creation. Hear me. Because some of you all are getting ready to get ordained as a commission as apostles because you think you're just too big and bad to be a prophet. But the, but the prophet is the prototypical office of all ministry. Now, I know you like to say family, but, you know, family was an earthly thing, not a heavenly thing. But the prophetic is eternal. We, we run all the way down there to Revelation and find out that um, John meets the angelic prophets. The prophet, the prophetic angels, the angels that prophesied. The angels said to John, we are your brother. I'm your brother. In the hope and patience of Jesus Christ. So the prophetic, in order for you to get free and to get it right, because the right means to get it right. Even if you don't have the right answer, something in your gut says, but this is wrong. Something in your gut will say, something, something's wrong with this. There's a, there's a feeling, your instinct, your new creation instinct got, has it. So. It, when the prophetic first began, when the prophetic first began, there was no church. There was no Christianity. There was no Judaism. There was no Islam. There was no Greco-Roman anything. The founder of the prophetic, the Lord Jesus Christ, had Adam, and it was based on civilization not congregation, as we brought it down to, and confined it. You know, that's good. That's good stuff. So when we're measuring the prophetic, and you're talking about your gift and all of that, you understand that that's a late uh, a deviation. I'll use that word because it's nice. But that's a late deviation. And in many cases, a perversion of what actually started. So the prophetic did not start as a gifting. Kill that idea. Kill it. Dead. Let me get something. I got to get something. It did not start as a gifting. Let me get over here because, you know, you got people all mad. Hallelujah. All mad with us because I'm like, but it didn't start that way. And if it didn't start that way, you can bet it won't end that way. Because those two prophets in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, are not church prophets. I'm just saying. So you see, I don't care how it is, how wait, they say they cannot validate that. You cannot validate running up and down the road, tapping people on the head, saying they're prophets. There's no validation for that. Prophets are called, summoned, ordained by the God that wants to speak through them. And so here we go, down the line. So we got Abel, and we find out that Abel was killed because he was a prophet. Not just because he was Cain's baby brother and God liked him best. So when you think about what we started, we started, when it revived itself, when God brought the prophetic back online in the late 70s, he, he brought it online with people who had been raised as gifters, ministers, leaders, pastors, teachers, who had been raised as gifters and who were conditioned to see the prophetic in purely gift terms. I hope this is speaking to you all, because we're getting ready to talk about why we reset the prophetic. So 
they, you know, eventually, you know, that's what it was. And I know it because you know, everything was about your gift, and everybody was gifted. And we had gone so far off the beaten path that every gift was equal, and it was valid, and it was equal, and it was all you had to do is work run your gift because your gift is in your domain. It's under your control. So it, you then the individual began to define and demonstrate and exhibit the prophetic as it appealed to them. So then it became personalized. But the prophetic was never personalized. It was always institutionalized, always. It was always a divine institution, always. It was God's institution of divine communication. Now, some of you all, I will stop right now. If you want your people to hear this and to get the anointing and catch the fire, that's on these words and the truth, you need to stop and share right now. And I want you to share like crazy. I want you to share like crazy because we re- we are resetting the prophetic. And you're going to say, that came from Dr. Paula Price, because you know people are going to pick it up, then you should. But I want you to understand that as the chief apostle over scripture organic, cultural modified Christianity, and a new era apostleship restitution, I'm telling you, we're resetting the, pro- the prophetic because it was born invertedly, kind of like a breech birth. You know, the butt came out before the head. Sometimes you have to push it back in and turn it around. Sometimes you have to cut it out. Sometimes you have to let it go just because it saved the life of the baby or the mom. But this was inverted. This was an inverted birth, and that's what you, your, your issue is. Share it. Share it with your preachers. Share it with your pastors. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your students. Share it with your sheep. Share it with your networks and your organizations. Share it. And don't stop sharing it until we get there because this reset has happened. And what you're going to find is prophets are going to become very confused and disoriented because they're not going to understand the shift and the major uh, turns that God has made. Because he, this is an edict from heaven. It is not just something that we're doing. This will not be a fad. I know sometimes we would like to say that. When we like to say that, it's a fad. It'll pass. This too shall not pass. Okay? So this will not be a fad. And, and this will be incumbent upon everybody who uses the title prophet. If you are a prophet falsely promoted, that is the worst thing you can be, and I'll tell you why. Because the office you're ordained to will bear no fruit, and the office you invaded will not credit you with fruit. And see, nobody tells you that. But see, you think we only do that because Jesus isn't alive. Because if Jesus is alive, you wouldn't do it. Because you can't go in any other company and say, I'm going to self-promote. You can't go in any organization in the planet and self-promote unless it's your company. And if it's your company, why do you need to be promoted? Very important. So some of you all who took those things and y'all took those commissions, because, you know, right now, which is part of the conflict and the controversy that we're facing is because of the gift foundation, because you have made the gift the foundation of prophetic ministry and not the divine communication of the God who speaks through that gift. See, the foundation is the founder, Jesus Christ, the Logos of God, the Word of God, the the Word that became flesh. It is Jesus Christ whose testimony, spirit of prophecy. We've left all of that, which is why people can lie, people can, and and not only can you lie as a prophet, you can be literally deceived by a a lying spirit. 
Ahab's prophets were all 400 of them, not prophets, and all of them bought into the same lie. Now, only one probably got the lie, but that was the headset, that was the arrowhead and the salesperson. And then everybody else picked it up because, after all, if you can get the top person to turn, if you can flip the top person, then you know the rest of it is yours. So I'm going to go on record to say I'm, I'm unflippable. I am unflippable. I have not been flipped in 30 years. I'm not going to be flipped now. So I'm telling you that you have got to recognize our foundation is wrong. So that is why the prophetic is so full of error. And so because it's inverted, truth has to be, truth is not the norm. Emotionality and individuality and charismata are the norm. And that is not how it started. The foundation of prophetics was not individuality. It was not charismata. Because that's the gift. It was not charismatic, your charismatic gift. It was not charismatic. And individual didn't matter. And in God's world, individuality still doesn't matter except in home life. Otherwise, he's looking for corporeality, unity, and uniformity. So going back to how I started, so the prophetic is born as a gift. It is presented as a gift. It is defined as a gift. It is regulated as a gift. All of that. And the issue with that, it, even the networks, the networks never became institutions. They really didn't become great collaborations. The networks became gatherings. This thought I said. And you, and you ran around and said, you know, I just got through talking with somebody recently. And they said, well, you know, they told me I'm a gatherer. Just because you're a gatherer doesn't mean you're a groomer, a governor, or a grower. You just know how to get people to come to your party. And, and, and when you're a gatherer, it's my party, and I can cry if I want to. I can sing if I want to because it's your party. And it became a party issue it's where humans told God what to do and how it was going to be. So it was a gap. So back then, it was all about the gathering. And even today, all about the gathering, not the institution, all about the gathering all about how many people we can get to show up, how many people we can get to do this or that, how many people we can get to follow us, how many people we can get to mimic us. But that's not governing. That's not guiding. That is not grooming. And it's not gauging. All of those deprive you of gauges and measurements. Gauges and metrics. Those are, you can't do that with a gathering because it's all by popular opinion and popular response. Well, the people like it, so it's God. Well, the people don't like it, so it's not God. But that, if you read your Bible, that's nowhere God is kidding. Half of those people didn't know God well enough to know whether they liked it or didn't like it on, on his ground. They had it on the grounds of popularity, on the grounds of politics, on the grounds of who was in charge at the time. I think this is very important. And so when we start moving forward and we start thinking, resetting the prophetic, what are we resetting? We're resetting it because I never use gift language. From the first book I wrote, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet, to the books I'm now getting ready to publish. I don't use gift language for the prophetic or for offices. I just don't. 
I use the institution because this institution predates us. It predates the church. It predates the world. All humanity was born into it. All, everybody was born into it. And so all of that is to say that individuality is for gifting. So your gift means you can operate it as you want. You don't have any rules. You have no parameters, no guidelines. You have no codes, no protocols, no systems, no anything. You don't have to consider that. You just have to be you. You be you. Just be you. I'm just going to be me and say it's God. You understand, my issues with prophetic as it's run, and I have been slammed, and I have been whatever, but you know what? I've been proven true. And if you wait out your opposition, you will very soon rise above it because the truth prevails, and God backs truth. He tolerates lies while he's literally architecting the truth that's going to swallow it up. We have to know how he thinks. So here we are. It's a gift. But then everything is in the church is a gift back then, and we didn't have offices. Nobody wanted an office because the church broke away from all of God's institution as an act of rebellion and, and, and as an act of, of, of um, resistance. They felt like, hey, I can't get a shot here in this denomination, and I can't get a shot in this organization, so we're going to just break away and tear it up. It's an interesting thing, though, as you consider those times that, while the church was tearing up its institutions, the world was tearing up its institutions. They called it the era of rebellion. And so the church rebelled against God's divine order also. Whether it was needed or not is a roundtable discussion that we'll say for another time when I'm visiting you all's organizations. But right now, it suffice it to say that that rebellion of the 60s that took the world also took the church. If you look at it, because by, by the time we get to the 70s, it's no longer, uh, you can't use titles. You can't use order. You can't use structure. You can't use, and, and what, what is that? But dismantling the institution. So the world was getting the family institution dismantled, politics, government, education, you know, society, community. They were all being dismantled secularly. But the sacred side of God's world, the, was not idle during that season. So there is a a great correlation between the two rebellions, which also happened when we had, again, repeating history, when we had the Reformation and the Renaissance. They also tracked next to next. So the the Renaissance was a secular dismantling of the church's stodginess, and then that's what they did, and so that's when you ended up with naked angels and naked spirits all over the place and and all of this sexuality painted on the wall, all of this this art that the world thinks is all that great, and when it was nothing but a resurgence of their fertility deities now asserting themselves. So when you go in there, you like Michelangelo's work or or, or all of these other um, artists, and they're all about nudity. They're all about nakedness. They're all about fertility. And so that was the, the, the insemination of the, the Christianized world with fertility devils. See, that's why you need an education and not just a visitation from God. You need an education. You have to do something with the visits. And so now here we're back in the 60s, we're, we're not much different. 
we're not much different at all. Because back in the 60s, we had a similar thing. We had the secular version of with the drugs to replace the, you know, so everybody's high and everybody would, everybody's will and judgment would be lowered enough for that takeover to happen. And then, and, and so now we're not, you know, we're going to wear raggedy jeans. We're going to wear raggedy clothes. We're going to do why? Because the church is about propriety. The church is about dignity, you know, and all of those things. Now, <clears throat> whatever reasons they used, again, that's, a, that's for another discussion, but you need to know the origin of the error that has now flooded the body of Christ, masquerading as prophecy and the prophetic. So it's interesting. So we, we've got this whole medieval era, era that it happened, and then we have the, the, the 19th century, the, uh, the 20th century, rather, where it's coming again in a different form. And it's the same rebellion. It's the same devil fighting back, stoking the arrogance and the ego and, and, and the dissatisfactions of the Christian, of society, and tearing down those because you can't, you can't do a thing with unity. He can't do it. What did Jesus say? He said Satan can't cast out Satan. He's not going to cast himself out. So he has to fragment it. He has to create houses and homes and institutions for those spirits, those fallen angels that bought his life and bought into his failed campaign. Now, that's prophet think. That's not congregate think. That's not even Christian think. That is prophet think. We must know the prehistory of everything we've got going on. So we move on, because I like that. We move on. And as we're moving on, so we're in the, we're now in the 60s, and we've got, you know, the breakout movement. I read an article where one of the, the um, holdovers for Woodstock said, everybody thinks Woodstock was about sex and drugs. And I thought to myself, well, that's what we saw. That's what you all modeled. That's what you all portrayed. You, you portrayed yourself spinning around, drugged out with stupid little flowers painted on yourself and dumb little bandanas. You portrayed yourself sipping sex partner after sex partner after sex partner. You gave us that. We did not make that up. Y'all portrayed that. And you did that because you wanted to break the back of the church. You wanted to break the back of morality. You wanted to break the back of the institutions that hold society together. And you get in them stupid little bugs and them stupid little vans and, you know, and great big old Cheech and Chong movies and all of that kind of stuff. And you want us to say something great came out of that? When we're today looking at no, no families, families destroyed, governments destroyed, schools destroyed, people's lives are destroyed, identity confusion, misidentification, gender uh, transformation or redefinition. And certainly so, so you want us to think that that's what you that wasn't what you were going after, because that's certainly what you showed. That's what you showed us. And when you have your revivals, you go back to the same thing. Older, saggier, bearded, you know, flippy, flabby. You're no longer the cute little girl spinning around. You're not the old granny, hoping you can turn. But it did, you know, you shall know them by their fruit. So you can give us all the rhetoric you want to give us. The fruit speaks for itself. But that was rebellion. Well, the church had its own version. And it, has, it had its Jesus-loving movement. And it had its little Jesus this and its Jesus that. So that, it, so that it would do the spiritual side, the sacred side of that secular agenda. And so you could just, well, I mean, you can walk around and just say it was Jesus and people had to believe you. 
and this is Jesus, and you have lying spirits coming out of your mouth, you sat there having false tongues, and you sat there, even that, and we're doing the same thing today. You got the soaking movement. What do you mean soaking? You baptized in the Holy Ghost. What more soap do you need? You were baptized. Baptized means drenched, immersed. You were soaked, unless, of course, you weren't baptized, or unless, of course, you literally just got in the water disagreeing with Jesus Christ. When people tell me about soap, don't talk to Dr. Price about soaking. I promise you I'm going to be so, I'm, I'm so, so, so displeasing to you in my response because I'm baptized in Christ. We had John the Baptist who came and baptized people to repentance. So his baptism had a purpose. We had the Holy Ghost come and baptize you in the fire of God. His baptism has a purpose. So your soaking is about what? Your individuality because that's a gift thing. Still working. So I'm soaking so I can have a good experience. I don't need you to take a bath with me. I can bathe myself. I, I wash my feet. I know all of that. All of those machinations, that is what, people, what happened before the Lord Jesus birthed us again or begot us again in him. And then you have all of these other little stupid things. You got your little smoke lights coming in there. People got to have all of this fake smoke and fuck. Why? And nobody says, well, why do we have to have fake smoke? What, is it, what does it say to the world that I am now relegated to fake smoke? Because when we play, play in our church, we get real smoke. The Holy Ghost shows up. And people will say, did you see the cloud? You know why? Because I'm never going to mechanize Jesus. I'm not going to mechanize his manifestation. But you have to because you've left him. And your pastor left him. And your church left him. And you staying with them because you're hoping your staying is going to bring Jesus back. I want you to understand that uh, their anointing starts at the head, not the gut, and not the feet. So they're not, God's not coming back to your church. You need to get up and leave. If they got to turn on machines like you are at a Broadway play, then you need to know the Holy Ghost has left that church and your leader. And your leader asked tonight. See, I say this stuff because the Bible says, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. And that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Get up out of those churches because the, the hand of judgment is coming down on them. And it's going to be ugly. It's not even going to be, God's not going to do it in secret. Because he says when you embarrass him in public, he humiliates you in public. That's what he said. Now, you know, we have that. Same thing. You have to have dark rooms. Do, is your church wall, are your church walls painted dark? What does that mean? You know, your house is not dark. The buildings are not dark. Everywhere else you go is not dark. But when you go to, quote, unquote, quote, God's world, it's dark. What do you think that means? It means the darkness has taken over your church and you don't know it. Yeah, but they're still preaching the word that they're, they're not preaching the word for Jesus Christ. They're pre- preaching the word for culture and trends. So, culture, so the, the trend was, let's make our church, or let's make everything dark. Why? Because you're making it like a Broadway stage, which means they're staging your worship. They're not engaging in God. They're staging for you. So you're being, your whole church experience is staged for, for the, the big stage and the black. That's what Broadway does, to deceive and delude and seduce. So if, whoever you are, you're going to try to back, paint, black, paint that black. Don't do that black box. Don't go to, don't go to where the black box. Because we have never in any place in Scripture saw where God exhorted us establishing environments for darkness. 
you got the, you, look at you got it's like the movies. You got the guy kind of come in, put the flashlight on the floor to keep you from falling down the steps or tripping over somebody. Take you to uh, you got to be led by a beam. That's darkness. Does anybody think that's stupid? Do any of you out there think it's stupid? Is that the dumbest thing? So you know God's not there. They have snatched this church from God and they have given it to darkness. They call it liberty. They call it freedom from religion. They call it freedom from legalism. They call it a lot of lies. But you understand, if they're free from religion, then that means they're irreligious and sacrilegious. You understand that, right? Hey, y'all need to look up stuff. So you're irreligious and you're sacrilegious. Look it up. Don't take my, look up those words and see if you don't find your Sunday experience there. And then we don't want to be legalistic, so you want to be lawless and illegal, which means you are operating in a church that is illegal in God, in, illegal in Christ. That's a church whose candlestick has been moved from its place and given over to darkness because that's what they want to do. And so you have to recognize this is common. Jesus had 12 apostles. He chose one to be a devil. So the devil has a church. He has a whole congregation under apostleship. He chose one to be a devil. He had 12 tribes. And when you get to Revelation, he's got one tribe that's gone. The one tribe that could not beat the pagan spirituality, the fertility, etc. The tribe that converted to the Amorites. And that's Dan. So you might be going to, I don't know, Judas Iscariot's Danite church. Those are the churches that approve all of the foolishness that God condemns. But see, you keep it. But my family, they, well, you and your family are going to hell. God bless you. Cause, and when you get out of these bodies, you're not relatives any longer. You're only relatives not by blood. You're part of God's family by blood. So God hasn't changed. So you'll go there and you'll say, listen to all of those things. And a lot of y'all got into that, that rebellious movement. Yeah, that's the lit, that's a religion. When you, you know, when you ought to get post hold something for PhDs and carrying on. Everything to keep you stupid, dumb, blind, and willing to stay that way. Individuality makes you literally makes you a very, um, very interesting play. P R E Y. Your target for darkness. When you read your Bible, it said the sheep that wander off by themselves are the ones that are vulnerable to the wolves. So I don't care what you say. You you can take them to this and let them read it. Trust me, Dr. Price, I've been there, done that. You know, they've already let me know where we are, and I am, I don't care what you say, I'm the top of the heap. And you know why? Because when all of that falls, I'm going to bring you back to the one who saved your soul. And there are times more likely in the world. And soon we're going to find each other, and it's going to be amazing. But all of that, all of the things that I just described came from that gift mindset, that gift mentality, that individuality, because you don't get purged of your sin. You don't get converted to Jesus Christ. You're, and if you're unconverted, your gift is unconverted. So, you, so what you want to do is complement what you've always been with the gifts of the Spirit. You know, the, the fact that they were wrong and named them the nine gifts of the Spirit should have given everybody a clue. There is nothing in Scripture called the nine gifts of the Spirit. Nothing. But Dr. Price said, no, go read it. it is, there's no such thing. That's why you knew this was an error, because it was errant. Because they called them the nine gifts of the Spirit. And there is no way. You can track that word all the way down. It doesn't come up gifts. It comes up manifestations. 
comes up apparitions, comes up phantoroses, it comes up a lot of things, but it doesn't come up gifts. There is no such thing as the nine gifts of the Spirit. So that already tells you that we're wrong. So we got all of these people talking about them being used of God to manifest the nine gifts of the Spirit. There is no such thing. I'm telling you, it's not there. Let me not even leave you in confusion. Why don't we just don't want them in establishment? We're going to leave you in confusion. That way you don't have to worry about it. See, I read this thing. And, yeah, God held me back a long time. And I can't even tell you that I didn't cry a many a day. Why can't I go outside and say everybody else is outside? And I did. He held me back. He sat on me. And when he sat on me, he made me study. And he made me read. And he made me learn. I had apostles tell me, well, Paula, all Paula does is write, but we gather. Yeah, but you gathered, and what did you do? You, you didn't even galvanize. You just gathered. You didn't even galvanize anything. You didn't groom these people to do anything. These people still walking around, around talking about where my purpose. I mean, the few who did that, I'd be like, but what did you do? What did you make of what you got? That's the point that I want to make. You know, that, that when God gathers, he does a lot more. He doesn't just pull, pull you up and leave you as a mass in the middle of his kingdom. You're not a, 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 a heap of rocks. He doesn't leave you a heap in his kingdom. And that's what you are. Still talking about, I got to go to the psychics to find out what's going on in my life. I got to go to find, find somebody who can tell me my purpose and all of those kinds of things. If that's your fruit, then gathering is no big deal. And they might as well have left you alone. You know, and somebody said that to me. I was like, oh, please, I've been through all of that. But you know what? Because you gather with nothing to give. So you gather with nothing to give and nothing for them to gain other than your individual gifting charismatic experience. Because charismatic requires experience and it delivers experience. Dignity, on the other hand, something else. So we're going to go here to... First Corinthians 12, you know, our favorite one. And then and look at the nine gifts of the Spirit, so-called. And 12.7 does not use the word, it doesn't even use the word that can be construed as gift. It says, let me give you the beginning, because it's important. Now concerning spiritual, now gifts is italicized, which means the, the translator inserted it, because the original word is concerning spirituality or spiritualities. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Nobody really deals with that, but I'm going to leave that for the prophets that are coming up that are under the reset to deal with that, because there's a lot of wisdom in that one verse. Therefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls, calls Jesus a curse, and that and no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe that that's one of those kind of um, massage statements for confusion, because a lot of these statements were really massaged to, uh, to engender confusion, the kind of confusion that makes you want to accept it by faith, uh, at face value, or abandon it altogether. I didn't. I, I looked it up, and it was different. So now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So we know that there are diverse gifts. Here's where gift is said. Verse 4. Diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administration or, you know, anything like that, but the same Lord. So listen. Now there are diversities of gifts by the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Did anybody see a difference? 
So Jesus personally administrates his whole kingdom. But the same Lord, the Holy Spirit, is how we got the gifts. Now, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. I don't know about you, but I'm going to stop and preach that for six days. I want to do a six-day class just on us revisiting that. Resetting the prophetic. Verse 7, our famous verse, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit, say gifts, and then we run down, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. And look at this, but all these worketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing, dividing to every man separately as well. Now think about it. This is powerful. Like this is a class you all should take your prophets back through. Because I'm sure I'm taking mine. Okay, but There is no such thing as the nine gifts of the Spirit. But people who are tempted to wrench this thing from God's dignities and divine order made you think that, matter of fact, you read it that way. You read manifestation as gifts. But the word manifestation is ghosting, appearance, apparition, phantom, phantomizing. It is not charismata. And all of the other things, enemy, and all of the other things we want to use. Is this talking to you all? Resetting the prophetic. That beginning was the was what was inverted. Because none of this is how it's taught. And millions of dollars in books have been spent on this error. This is rank error. Paul never said it. This is that's not apostles' doctrine. Apostles' doctrine is here. Church doctrine has been clashing and rivaling apostles' doctrine for a long time, which is why you're confused. See, church doctrine is not apostles' doctrine. It may have stickers, little pepper will be a little pepper, little sprig of you know, parsnip or parsley, but. The norm for God is apostles' doctrine. The norm for the church is man's doctrine. And that is where the... <laughs> you all appreciate this? Is this helpful? Because I want you to understand where we went wrong. So when this thing was brought back online, when the prophetic was brought back online in the late 70s, early 80s, it came online under church doctrine. It didn't come online under apostle prophet doctrine. That is why I sat around in meetings and they told me pastors could tell me whether or not I can prophesy. And I said, no, they can't. They can tell me whether or not I can come in their church. They can never tell me whether or not I can prophesy. And I have a pastor. I'm still a pastor. Doctrine. 
church government, church theology. All of that is about the church. That is why you have people there and in, 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 in across the country saying bishops are above apostles. No, bishops are the head of the church, the ecclesia, as the commandments of men have structured it. But that is not God. That's not scripture. That's not scripture doctrine. So you, you go out there, and I have people tell me, well, you know, I teach that, that the, um, the apostle, the bishop is over the apostle. I don't know why they weren't around when apostles were doing what they did and were getting trained. There's no logic in that whatsoever. Resetting the prophetic. And so I was wondering, when God started talking to me about resetting this thing, I was like, okay, God, that's good. That's good. But when he sat me down, in one of our many, many, many classes, which I adore, when he sat me down and began to, to weave the tapestry of this new garment, he let me know this new garment, the new wine, is the apostle and prophet. Because that's who started. They are the offering mantles of scripture. And the new wineskin is literally the apostolate or apostolate. A-P-O-S-T-L-A-T-E, that God sets up around the world, his embassy. And the garment, of course, is the mantleship, and all of it goes back to the foundation. You can't fix an errant presence unless you go all the way back to the origin, and you go all, all the way back to the foundation. When companies get off course, they either rewrite a new vision or they go back and dig up the vision that brought them this far. Organizations in general tend to follow that. So the Christian norms that we are fighting for did not come from Jesus Christ like that. So we're fighting for norms that he he calls abnormal, atypical, an anomaly. See, apostles and prophets are not anomalous, but this ecclesial rural church is. Isn't that good? So now we talk about how it was inverted. It was inverted because literally these people, because I was, I, was, I was running in those circles back then, and they were all telling me stuff that didn't make sense in my head. And, you know, when you're really not called to the present, that's, the present does not speak to your head. It doesn't. The present become object lessons, illustrations, and demonstrations of what will or will not be in the future. And our, our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute was themed the prophetic and present tense. Are you ready for God's future? And if you're under that model of individuality and individual prophetics and, and church-defined prophetics, then guess what? You're not. And you can get mowed over. Church-defined prophetics, because of the error with the manifestation of the Spirit, because of the, the errancy of the nine gifts of the Spirit, help me God, because of that error, your prophetics are based on man-made doctrines or the commandments of men. And so they are limiting prophecy to the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of prophecy, and all of those things. They're limiting them, but they are limiting them, and made, they literally took the Lord's intellectual property and his patents and gave them to you individually with no, no other uh, eligibility other than your faith. 
no other qualifications than your salvation. You don't have to be trained because you walk around and say, well, this is a word of wisdom. First of all, what you call wisdom or what God calls wisdom could be something very, very different. And then the knowledge you have of something versus the knowledge of God has or the knowledge that God imparted to his officers could be something else entirely. You're talking about people who come to church a couple of hours a week talking about they got a word of wisdom that they want to shake the world. That word of wisdom is not even going to shake the congregation around. But that's not the prophetic. See, but scripture, discharge of the office, embraces the totality of what God has said from the beginning of time, what he has said before time, and what he is doing now and saying now to pull it all together. That's the official constitution, the official statement of God. Prophets must have the official communications of God Almighty, and they must be well-versed in them, well-educated in them, and well-practiced. So as the prophetic came back online, and uh, it was disseminated by these people who were in this room who had this experience, except for one, one of which, if you study history, ended up with a, uh, with a little, little uh, demon called Emma, and another one, some other name, I forget it. But so because you, you, you can only discern who is with you and against you by education. Otherwise, any voice sounds prophetic because, wait, it's not physical. You have to be very careful. Now, I still say that was how God got it started, but it was inverted. And from that moment, everything was defined by the church, the ecclesia, its constitution, its canon, etc. But the prophetic canon is always God's continuum. See, the canon of the prophetic, the canon of the prophet's office and the prophet's mantle always plug back into God's continuum, what God has been saying, what he has been known to say, how he's been known to say it, how he's been known to think it. So prophets have that other canon, and the church canon came out of the prophet's canon. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the church's canon came out of the prophet's canon. So if you're talking about being canonical, that's not the way to go. Bishops are, are not over apostles, because they were not commissioned by God directly. They were commissioned by apostles. The bishop's office was brought into existence by the apostles, not the bishops themselves. And it is an ecclesial office. The prophets is not an ecclesial office alone. That's why we had to have First Corinthians 12, because apostles were not born from the church. They were born outside of the church, and they literally begot the church in existence. So God had to say, you guys, I'm not having you out here running around in the world and not taking care of my church. So God has set these in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles. We want, where are the miracles? You've got, these, you've got this church constitution miracle, which is basic custodial care, and then you've got the, the phenomena and the proprietary miracles that God re- literally retains in the prophet's office, in, in the, excuse me, in the apostle's office. Even the prophets were more to the church than the apostles. Because when God closed out the law of Moses, he closed out that order of prophets. And he brought in a new order of prophets 
under the apostles. See, you can't buy this class. So y'all better be sending me some seeds because you know what? You gonna, uh, Here's why I asked the seed, two reasons. You know, I'm really smart now. Because, number one, you can't get this information anywhere, and certainly not with this logic and coherency. This is a cohesive, coherent thing. That's number one. And number two, you're going to hold classes and charge tuitions with it, and you're going to make money off of it because that's what you do. And I don't have a problem with that, but you need to sow a seed so that you don't muzzle the ox and tread out the corn. So I need you to sow a seed, drpaulaaprice.com. Sow a seed, and not just your coins. Because, see, here's what I do know. I know because this information is not common and not widespread, you're going to have all kinds of folks drawn to this. You yourself are being educated and edified by it. And so you're going to have your class there. They're going to pay tuitions. I don't care if it's $35 a month or $50 a month, but some of y'all just give it away for we don't know why. But what you're going to do it, and you're going to do it over and over and over and over again. And you're going to reap that harvest off of something you didn't even get from God. The least you can do is so materially for what I've just given you spiritually. We don't have to have relationship if you don't want but you need to sow. A lot of you all, your world is bound up because you keep taking God's words like he accused the prophet in uh, Jeremiah 23, and you keep taking God's words as your own. And you take the revelations of his, his leaders. I am a front runner in this thing. And you keep taking it like I don't deserve a harvest. But if you steal another person's harvest, then you're no different than Jezebel and Ahab. So I'm encouraging you. It's not a threat. I don't have to because God is going to be God. But I'm telling you, you need to sow, and you need to sow to me regularly because I've been feeding the body for a lot of years, and they've not given me credit for it. And now I am seeking my harvest. And some of you agree with me because you've written and told me that. You know, I've, I've had people say, oh, yeah, apostle so-and-so been teaching your stuff for years and don't give you any credit for it. So-and-so been teaching your stuff for a long time. Don't give you any credit for it. So-and-so teaching out the prophet's dictionary with another cover, not letting anybody know who the author is. You understand that rogue spirit came from the church. See, that's a rogue spirit. That rogue spirit came from the church constitution, church authority. Because there, under that, it's all about evangelicalism. It's all about soul winning and not about the sovereignty of Jesus Christ or his righteousness, truth, or your sanctification. So I hear people say to me often, um, you know, as I'm enjoying this hard lately, but growing into it took me 32 years to grow up into it to the point that I can I own this thing and I can defend it, as you can see. And I can defend it every which kind of way. And I, not only that, I produce curricular after curricular after curricular for this, where if you're interested in leaving the gift individuality constitution of the church and you want to get back into divine order, because this is not divine order. Because if you knocked out apostles and prophets, that's not divine order. You kicked out divine order. So the church hasn't been in divine order for ages, eons, which is why we are where we are today. Because another divine spirit has been influencing these decisions. Well, yeah, but they love Jesus Christ, and they told it to a lie. You can build. Listen to me about how this works, because this is wisdom. You can build a house with substandard materials, and you can build the house with, with stolen 
materials. And that house can be built according to scale. There can be no problems in it, etc. but it's still a lie. Now, if, even if nothing happens in that house but truth, it's a truth that emanated from a lie. So you can usually talk about building your house on a rock and building your house on sinking sand. So, if, and I always say this, you know, the criminal organizations, they are, in terms of government, they're errant, they're deceitful, they're criminals. They are crime makers. They live to make crime happen. So they are criminals because they're crime makers. But within their organizational construct and structure, they have codes, they have rules, they have laws, and they have protocols, and they are all considered true because it's true to the objective, which is making crime happen. So when they judge their members, they judge them according to those, their constitutions and codes, and to them, that's their truth. Because the, it, the truth has to do with their purpose for existence. And if the purpose of this altar church constitution was to remove the body of Christ from Jesus Christ, which is the fruit of it right now, then even though they were true to what they established, even though they were true to what they constituted, they were true to that, it was still not God's truth. Now, this is wisdom, because, you know, I'm developing a wisdom class, because you've got to have wisdom class. And, you know, my wisdom, you know, I'm going to have fun when I develop it. It's going to be an amazing class. It's going to be the wisdom of the Almighty. And so we have that. For example, the fact that you'll go and do a project in Jesus' name and then say, but you don't want his name on it, you don't want people to know it's Christian and all of that, the fact that you do that means that you're operating under a lying constitution. And not only that, you're, you're not... What do you call it? You're not fidelitous in it. You have no fidelity to Christ. You have no allegiance to Jesus. Those words mean you don't know Christ and you don't like him. You walk around pretending to be a Christian and you don't like him. Let somebody go and put something out in your name and then take your name off of it. Let somebody go and put something out, build something, an organization using your title, your last name, and then say, but it's not about you. No, you don't like Jesus. You see, that you were taught to do under that other constitution. You were taught to deny Jesus Christ. You were taught to take his stuff and not give him credit for it. You were taught to gather in his name and then do a Jeroboam and flip the people to other gods. That's what you were taught. That's why you think that way. You don't think that way because when you got saved, you weren't serious. But you think that way because you came into the other door. You came in another way. Jesus said, I am the door. And that door, he gave stewardship to apostles and prophets. The gatekeepers to let you in and out, apostles and prophets, because they're the ones who were in his class and who understand what he wrote. That's how God speaks to apostles and prophets differently. So some of you all, yeah, you're prophets, but you are not prophets of Jesus Christ. And you didn't come in through his door. You were born a prophet, but you were trained to be an altar contradiction to divine order. So everything you, that God wrote, you contradict, which is why you hear, well, no, that's not, that, oh, that's legalism. Well, that's religion. You know, well, holiness is not all of that. You act like you're all deep in kind of, and, and you can always tell the people because they're always mocking and scorning truth. Their, their sermons are full of mockery, scorn, ridicule, blasphemy, insult, and disparagement. 
They have them. Just the elements of that. And they're telling you all along, you're listening, you're so excited, you're shouting, screaming, running around the church, rolling over, flipping from the candlesticks and carrying on. You all caught up in what you feel because it's based on your individual feeling about what is said, not about your intelligence, about what it really means. So you do all of that. I mean, you do it, and you do it so much that you, you believe you read the scripture. I bet you when I read that, half of you never paid attention to the word manifestation. Manifestation of the spirit. There is no such thing as the nine gifts of the spirit. That is ever all of those publishers who, who publish it, they should have read the Bible. All of those people who wrote books, all those articles, all those trainings and everything you bought, all based on a lie. But it came from the Constitution of uh, human ecclesia, because there is a divine church and there is a human ecclesia. And the divine ecclesia, the eternal ecclesia, that's based on apostleship and based on 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Ephesians 4, 11, Ephesians 2, 20, Ephesians, come on, help me, Jesus, Ephesians 3, 10, Ephesians 3, 5, and 10 is based on 1 Corinthians 12, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 12. It's not based on what you have been taught. So you've been out of God's divine order with your heart literally yearning to be with him. And, you, and, the long, and the deeper you got in that, the more you felt uncomfortable, the more you felt discomforted, the more you felt like this is wrong. Because that, 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 when, it, when it gets deep in you, then that rogue thing starts to work on your new creation spirit. The Holy Ghost begins to start fighting for him and fighting for you. And so he begins to say, is that true? I mean, how long are you going to sit here and do that? Well, you know that's not me. You read my Bible. I just showed you something to read last night. Is that what you read last night? No, that's not what you read last night at all. And so you begin to, if you're called to the truth, you, when you start meeting the truth, you immediately see where the lie was. That's why you got homosexuals in this stuff. Because this, this here man-made ecclesia, it forgives everything. It indulges everything. It's in the Constitution that you don't call sin, sin that you don't make people feel uncomfortable. It has a literally man-made constitution written with satanic ink. So you got the blood of the lamb, and they're giving you, Satan is operating on the blood of human sacrifices to keep those demons over you. When you read the story of Jeroboam and every prophet should read it, and read it in Kings and Chronicles, when you read it, you can see the church of today. And I'm wanting you to, because some of you are asking God, well, God, how do we get here? What happened? You have, and under the man-made constitution, bishops are in charge. And they should be, because it's confined to church. Under the, 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 the divine constitution, the Godhead's constitution, apostles are in charge. And that's the truth. And apostles are in charge all the way to the end. Even in Revelation, they are the foundation of the church. Let you know the church is founded upon apostles, and they're in the foundation of God's new Jerusalem, the new city. I'm telling you, this thing, and, but, but you got to read it, and you got to want to be trained by it. You got to want to learn it, and you got to be willing to say, man, I was duped. I didn't know I was duped. Some of the people who did it were duped. They didn't know either. They just inherited it. It was just passed on and passed on and passed on. I remember reading way, way back. I'm thinking, what, eight years ago, we did an um, a, a, uh, uh, apostolic summit, and we had a, a, one of the speakers brought an article from the Assemblies of God said, although we know it's in Scripture, we will not acknowledge it. 
I don't know if they've since changed, but for, that, that tells you the rebellion is in humanity against God. That takeover spirit was real. Now, I am a, I'm a public voice, and I'm a loud voice, and I'm telling you, when I read that, I had to inhale a couple of times because I said, at that time, I wasn't, wasn't ready for, to know that men sat behind closed doors and ripped off this man's church and told him, we are not doing it your way. We don't want to do it your way. We do not want this man to rule over us. All of that is Psalm 2, okay? We will not have this, um, what is it, uh, Luke 19. We will not have this man rule over us. See, Jesus himself knows his enemy, his adversaries, and he knows their attitudes and their tactics toward him. He's not, he's not confused, nor is he deluded. But he's like, I've been king forever, amen, and when I'm done, when they all die and go along and get all old and question, I'm still going to be king. They're going to ask me to heal, and I'm going to say, no, you're coming on home, and you're coming home and celebrating. And if you live and develop a lie, you're not coming into my world. Those are real issues. That's why people can treat God in your kind of way. They can say all manner of evil. And he said they're going to do it. He said they're going to say all manner of evil and all of that. He said, but when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. So we have a whole Internet group that's called that's dedicated to blaspheming the Holy Ghost. I'm like, are you kidding? He, he's not in you, and you're already under his curse. So he don't care about what you say. Good joke. Let me tell you, the least of your problems is blaspheming him. That's the least you have to be worried about right now. But, see, you can't have this strength. You can't have this, this solidarity if you're not willing to learn, which is why we developed Christ University, which is why I wrote the books that I wrote and all of them. I was hoping that people would read them and say, oh, wow, I need to check this out and seek God for some things. Some of you all, if you're prophets, I'm telling you, you are not a prophet of Jesus Christ, which is why you can't prophesy his truth and his word. Because if you are, this, this man-made ecclesia, would not be your place. You wouldn't be up, you wouldn't be ordained in it. You wouldn't be commissioned to you wouldn't any of that because you don't you won't be. If you come under this man made church, you're gonna be under the bishop. You come under the Godhead's ecclesia, you're gonna be under apostles and prophets. And that's just the way it is. Whether we like it or not, that's just the way it is. Well I'm thinking that my uh, other prophets ought to be making their way up here not soon and we're gonna talk about that. And while they're coming, I'm gonna talk about the chief, our chief prophet, and she actually reset the prophetic and told us how unready we are for God's future. It's an amazing teaching. I'm still trying to decide whether or not we're going to publicize it because it is so, um, it's so multi-layered and intricate. That's the word. It is so intricate that if you don't have a strong foundation or the right foundation, it's, it's going to be sensational. And you'll be fascinated, but you will not be nurtured or developed by it. And most, and if you're not, and if you're under this man-made ecclesial constitution, then if you're under that, where soul winning is the only big and only thing you got to be worried about and making it to heaven. If you're under there, then that is going to scare you, because it was that kind of a teaching. So if the Lord uh, moves on me to do it, I will do it. But I will tell you. It is a phenomenal. I've heard a lot of preaching in my life. I heard a lot of sermons, a lot of prophecies. I have never heard a prophet take this on like that. 
And I, I don't say it because it's my daughter. I'm sure when Prophet Ashley and Prophet Adia come, they can give you the same, their feedback on it. Some of you all who were here, you can write those feedback on my post page and let them know what it did. I had never seen that she worked hard for it, and I stood there and I said, you just took over the fullness of the mantle of God's chief prophet in this group. And I'm telling you, that thing rocked the room. People were entranced, couldn't move. It rocked the room because... It's nothing that you're hearing co- cohesively and unitedly in the body of Christ. There's not uh, nothing. Nobody's done. Now, there are people saying elements of it, but nobody took the time, the three months it took for to put that together, day and night, night and day, to show us how unready we are for God's future. And if we don't take heed and change our programs, she said, 20, what did she say, 27 years from today, the world will be taken over. Because they have a date called 2050 where they are bumping Christianity and everything else that they don't want. They are working for Buddha. They're working for Brahma. They're working for Allah. They're working for Gaia. They're working for Diana. They're working for Satan, but they're not working for you. And if we don't train our prophets and we don't migrate them from this man-made constitution for ecclesia, for the ecclesia and over into the Godhead constitution and divine order. But I'm telling you, it won't make a difference how much you don't like what I say. You and I both will be muscles. Ready to come, Prophet Ashley? Let me get the bottle here. I got to put something somewhere. Okay, there we go. Okay, I want that bottle later. Got it? Got it. Come on in. Yay. And I'm thinking Prophet Adi is probably on her way over. I think next week we might have Chief come on and talk a little bit about her. I think we'll have her come on and talk a little bit about her class. That class was phenomenal. And I've heard prophets speak. I've, I've trained prophets. I've been with some of the greatest prophets in the land. I've heard them. I've never heard this before. And I've been out here since 1985. Not like this. And every prophet in the land really needs to hear that. But I will not give it away for free because you all take stuff and don't get credit for it. Oh, The room really was paralyzed. <laughs> I mean, it was really a shame that we had to move on yes. to shift because we really could have just sat there for, I don't know, a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Rendered immobile. Speechless. Um, by what just came forth because uh, I think what we witnessed too was the difference between, you know, the body of Christ is used to seeing amazing gift demonstrations mm-hmm. and like, wow, that was awesome. And everyone was laid out on the floor and we never got to the yeah. word and we do all those things, but never really lambasted by the mantle to that extent. I think the best thing, yeah, I think what we can do with that is actually wrap a four- or six-week course around that to include the research that she put into it and all those things that even led up to Mm -hmm. that breaking, maybe breaking it down into a couple parts, maybe having her add a few things. Because she's got to, she can Um, actually do it. I mean, it needs needs to be a whole thing to... Advanced, yes, only advanced prophets and, yeah, and apostolic prophets. Because mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. prophets would just be scared to death or too fascinated to be <laughs> affected. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> but I told her, 
I said, listen, I'm sorry it took you three months and you're tired of him having sleep. I'm so sorry. But you're going to take all of those and develop it because that information is, that thing resets the prophetic. See, that, you heard that thing hit from heaven. Oh, I said, all of us were like, wow, people screaming all over the room. It reset the oh, prophetic. Yeah. Well, you know, that moment to me, and maybe this is vindication on your part, <laughs> was like when you taught the 14 events that one Sunday and just threw it out there. And she came back and was like, hold on, this needs to be a book, this needs to be, you know, so like mm-hmm. I felt that was that moment, mm-hmm. like the whole thing yes. happened in a session, mm-hmm. but after it really will be built out into an institutional, at least branch itself, because I thought, you know, what, what? what just happened? It was a supercell. Oh. It was a prophetic supercell. When you hit those things, prophetic supercells are very different. And she, because when that, because within the cell is all of the life, all of the universe, all of the everything that that cell will reproduce in flesh. And I said, I said, oh no, she hit that because that's what the continuum is. Fortune of yeah. that was a super cell. It came as a cell, and then we turned around and planted it in something. And oh Lord, it took on a world of a world and yeah. a life of its own. That's a super cell. And she mm-hmm. literally had a super cell, a prophetic super cell, where she reorganize in that cell the prophet's heart and the prophet's mantle. And I don't say it because she's my child, because, you know, people's, uh-uh, well, no, she they know you own. at all, they know that's not Yeah, because, you know, being one of my, <laughs> being my spiritual child no is not here. easy. Because <laughs> I don't want failure close to me. No. I don't want medi- no. mediocrity, and I certainly don't want unrighteousness close to me. If you're going to be all of that, I need you down the line, way down there. But if you're going to be righteous and faithful and all of those kinds of things, then, and you got to prove yourself, and you're going to be smart. Don't like not smart people. Don't like not <laughs> smart people. Not, not smart people near me. Because that doesn't make me look good. It looks like I don't do anything. It looks like I don't, I don't know anything because my people don't grow and my people, all they do is follow me like fans. I don't need fans. Hallelujah. I don't need fans. I don't need fanatics. I don't need fascinators. I literally need powerful, brilliant representatives of the logos of the Almighty. That's what I need. So you think she should teach it? Oh, yeah. I mean, that one class is really not anything. When to, from to be effective as far as the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the goal of that, that moment was an awakening. It was a shock. It was like, what? Um, but in order for it to actually be planted in people and then replicated and then them equipped mm-hmm. and weaponized to take it into their world. Oh, yeah. Well, sure. I think, you know what I think we should have is a, um, uh, a re- five-day residence module for profit. Yeah. where she gets to break that thing down and down and down. Because that information, you just, somebody had to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and like I said, the church is so unscrupulous when it comes to God's first deliveries. You know, yeah. it's almost like they abduct, abduct the baby, you yeah. know what I mean, yeah. uh, and carrying on. So they don't, because they've been trained. Remember, that man-made institutional church, that man-made canon that rivals the canon of Jesus Christ. And so, but I think that we're going to do that. If you think something like that would be interesting and that you would like to attend a five-day module where you deal with that, she went into the cosmos, she went into cyber, she went into supernatural, she went into genetics, she went into DNA, she went into transgender, she went, and how she managed to pull it together 
all of that voluminous information. And he can see why I killed all three months. Yes. Now, if you're ready, I need you to post it on my page, not hers, mine, so I know whether or not I should invest. And then when you're ready, I want you to say, I'm, I would do something like that, and this is what I think, this is what I would pay for, because I need to know that. Because I think for profits, I think, because see, we apostles can do all we want, but it's the prophets that, had, that founded the, the earth. It's the prophets that founded the civilizations of the earth. God's prophets did that. Divine communications did that. And all of you all, some of you all who were bumped up into apostles and you knew it was wrong, you need to step down out that office because your harvest is not going to be in that. And people may tell you, but God will not reward you. Hmm. Well, and she exemplified a chief problem. Mm-hmm. And we need you know, anybody wearing the title chief needs to be leagues ahead <laughs> of the people that are following them. And um, that was a global work. It was a global it teaching. Mm-hmm. It was universal to the mantle. That's how you can tell it was straight out of eternity. Uh, you know, it took a lot of natural work to pull together that it is for mm-hmm. the office period. It, oh, it is. It's, it, literally, it is a corporate uh, prophetic um, teaching and doctrine. And it's more than just hearing. It's like you need to be here in this residence model so you can do policy, you can discuss policy, you can discuss strategy, and all of those kinds of things that you don't get when you just snatch a word and run to the same state. Yeah, so right. you don't get to do that. Right. And so but I, if you're interested, I'm willing to do that, which is we have this university. We can take, yeah, I don't know, yeah. what do we could take up to what, 200 people? I think about 200 people, but we'll break them down in classes because we got more than one prophet. We got a lot of them. But if you feel something, that's what I thought. To, huh? Okay, 299 is one thing. And, and, and Because I think that if you can do a five-day module here, and if you're a prophetic leader and you want to get your prophets ready for the prophetic and pres- present tense and, God, and get them ready for God's future, because prophecy here today has been on human future. It's been on humanity's future. It's been on your personal future. But are we ready for God's future? We need to have something emerge in this reset called the eschatological prophet. Because there is a prophet that God speaks to from Omega back to Alpha. So if you feel it, put it on my page. Do not put it on their page because it can get lost. Put it on my page and say, I, w- I am willing, and I think that the price of that five-day module should be. And then let me know. Also, just as a postscript, I think the so-and-so time of the year is best. Because I'm telling you, this I don't care how many conferences you go to this year. I don't care. And there are a lot of them, and people are doing good things for God, really good things for God. But not a lot of them are doing things for God's future. Mm-hmm. And so you can, when I look, I'm telling you, this stuff is huge. And it's done and it's assimilated in such a way that will get you ready for the hard reset. Because I'm telling you, Friday at that session, the prophetic went into a hard reset. The angel showed up in the hotel. I was like, well, look at y'all. The team's already here, waiting. Angel showed up. Holy Ghost started moving. People started saying, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that was the universe. I don't know with this office. Okay, nothing. We don't know what we're doing. We're just playing around. Holy, we're We're just temping to the real comes. We're just temping. And that's what we've had, prophetic temps. Temping in the office as a a gifting. 
But we need to stop tempting, and we need to now start owning, taking ownership of this office and occupying. There are a couple of people out there, the chief file prophets out there, that we can validate are part of this, whether they know it or not, that are instrumental to God's reset. But this prophetic reset, I'm telling you, this word is going to go around the world, even my naming it, a hard reset for the prophetic. This is a hard prophetic reset. God is, and you're going to start seeing people's words are going to start sounding feeble and faint and hollow. Because you can tell, you know, you know a false prophet because the words are hollow to the ears of the real ones. So you're going to know that. Well, you said God never leaves a power void. No. And yeah. when the replacement is ready, the power, now the shift will happen. It's coming. And so um, we, had a, we had a blast here, and it was unfortunate that, it, that, that there weren't more people because so many of you are so married to the old that God yeah. has to exempt you from the new. Mm-hmm. Because you will become a double agent or you'll become the inside man that's going to take him out, take out what he's doing. So he has to exempt you from the new. And a lot of you are saying, God doesn't talk to me the way he used to do. He doesn't speak like he used to speak. I don't have the dreams I used to have. I used to give a word and it used to feel like this and it used to go this way and all of that. Because you're exempted. Because you will not let go of the old wine, the old wine skin, and you keep wearing your old garment as tattered and battered and stained and, and, and ripped as it is. You keep wearing it because it's part of your old. It's the familiarity with the old that exempts you from the middle because you hate to think that you did all of this and then God's going to put, turn around and do something new. And don't, let's not talk about him doing it with a woman. A woman. I can't even do that. And then a black woman. Okay? Oh, my God. I can't be all because it's not getting all. I'm physiological profile. Y'all profile more than the feet. Wow. You know, we decided for our next conference, we decided this in the back. We're going to get a plastic rubber microphone that we can just drop the mic a thousand times in the conference because between Chief Apostle Bryce and Chief Prophet Bryce. Oh, yeah. You laid out. We were done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to drop the whole sound But you all profile more than the police. You profile every Christian. You profile <laughs> leaders. And then you profile <laughs> women. And, and there was a section. Come on. We did that segment on the men. I did. I, told, I blasted that. <laughs> we did. That's a we third one. Yes, we did. Walked off. They, they left us. <laughs> What? They just walk away from me. I'm going to say it. I just thought, I'm going to say it at the whole conference next time. Just like this in the back. Mm-hmm. And here to go. Because you got to walk out and get some hair. That's a walk. Apostle Hope had to walk into a corner. You can't come back. And say this. When I dealt with the men thing, I was like, are y'all kidding me? And you think you're going you're gonna to beat me That is going to be online. Yes. Just clip on the men folks. Yeah. A lot of men got set free. They got set sure did. I was like, uh-uh. And I told them that I can do this because I'm a mother in Zion. And mothers always speak to her son. In the Bible, in Proverbs, it says, son, obey the words of your mother. Not only the law of your father, but the words of your mother. Solomon was nurtured by his mother, yes. not just his father in the law. And I'm like, no, y'all going to stop this because I'm going to free me some women. You think woman down out loose with him? Ah. Let the woman loose you because I'm a woman and I know how to loose you. Yes, I am. I'm going to loose you real good. Let the woman loose you. Let the woman loose you. Honey, because nobody can loose you like the one that you are, that, who, who got away. I'm, I am the escapee. 
I got away. You got out. I got away from my house. I'm coming back for you, sis. Yes, I am. I'm coming back, and we're going to have an equal workforce. Let the woman live. I'm a woman, and I know I can let you don't mess with me. Because you see, I I have grown. And one thing, you know, when you beat a devil, you know you got your foot on his neck. He cannot come after you again. We had a fair fight. I won. It was fair and square. I won. I outlast him. I outlast the criticism. I outlast the thievery. I outlast the arguments. I outlast the bias. I outlast the insults, the blasphemy, the rejection, and the isolation, and the black bone, and the poverty. I outlast all of it. Oh, they want me to hit the thing. Okay. Boom. 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 Oh, she said one more. Well, the thing you didn't do when you were teaching. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the reasons why my strength is what it is. Because when you have, when you know you're the heavyweight, I am the heavyweight. And I took it all on. All of it. The, uh, the evictions, the homelessness, the loss of home, the loss of property, the loss of cars, the loss of friendship, loss of family. Took it all. I won. Reputation all across the country. Was she just an un, uh, un, whatever woman? I don't even care. And all of these men, I was like, but why is it that your zipper controls your mind? Everything is based on your masculinity, nothing based on Christ. The man got on the cross, shed his blood, 39 strikes, beat all night long, and then you're going to talk about, yeah, but it was only just his blood. Okay. I'm telling you, I'm the woman. And I'm a sick, yes, I am the woman. You know, I have to call myself because you know what? They're going to try to call me something else. I got to call myself. Oh, like, hey, I got to give you the right name. I am the woman. And I'm Lady Wisdom because you don't hear wisdom that not come out of my mouth anywhere else. I am that woman. So I'm going to tell you, sisters, I'm coming for you, and we're all going to be free. And we're going to establish ourselves. We're not going to be the cute little girly girls that got to have the bouncing boobs and the jiggling behind to, to define us or affirm us. You're not going to be that kind of woman. You don't have to be hey. Satan's whore. And you're going to be his wife, and his wife is holy, and you all are smart, you have fucked all hell, you have gotten beat up all over the place, and you're still standing? Oh, no, we're going to take it. We're going to line up, and we're going to rank up, and let me tell you something, and we're not going to get put out because somebody, some guy doesn't want to help us pay rent or whatnot. Uh-uh. We are wealthy. We are wealthy, and you know what? You don't have to go to sin for just, just to be able to use what God put in you. You I'm telling you, sisters, we are taking this. Don't mess with me. I am so sick, and I love my brothers. My brothers are with me, and my son—they are with me. And but they, but they don't, but they don't play with me. And they know I don't play. No, no, no. Let me tell you, I work to be good at this, and I'm telling you, I don't have to do. You will never see me stand up there with yoga pants on, and you'll never see me stand up there with some sleazy little girls. I'm talking about. I'm holy. You'll never see me with my boobs swinging all over the place. And don't talk about there ain't a lot of them because I can buy some pads or something. I ain't doing that. <laughs> you will never see me looking like a sleazy whore, like I just got off of a pole talking about I'm standing for Jesus Christ. You will never see that. And all of those women that do that, that's because they came up under that other gospel and they serve that other Jesus. Because the Jesus that wrote this book, it still says, be ye holy as I am holy. My God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You preaching it, and you looking something else. They have already migrated to another God. I've talked to some of these women, and they said they're going to come in the next day with something tighter. And it did, I didn't understand why they was caught like that. Now I realize God said, but Satan owns them. Yeah. That's why they can't hear me. He said, why are you trying to kill me? It's because my word has no place in me. 
So they're trying to kill Jesus so that they can work with the fake Jesus and work with the sleepy one. Y'all not going to do that. Y'all going to clean up for the Holy Ghost. And you're going to act like you're women of dignity. And you're going to act like you're women of holiness. Some of you all won't do it, but that's all right. You'll know they belong to Ishtar. You'll know that they belong, come on, they belong to Diana. Because all of them, you know they're going to be belonging to those idols and those fertility goddesses. Because you have to dress for the priest to want to get in your body. Hmm. If you want to be accepted and make it. And see, I'm not doing that. And I'm, you're not going to stay. See, we stand up there looking like I'm some sort of video girl and I'm some sort of rap girl and talking about this is Jesus. That's a lie. I killed that. In my seat of authority, I killed that. Mm. I killed that witch in oh, Jesus' name. And I pulled that thing down by the Holy Ghost. You fertility demon, you are not going to have the people of God any longer. That whore I'm hearing, I command all whoreware factories to be shut down in the Holy Ghost. To make it so, we're not going to misrepresent him any longer. Your freedom should not look like you've just got a baby. Thank you, God. Yeah, I done lost it again. Now go on. Nobody told me that here. Woo! Sound good. We only got to look. Come on. Give me there and say something. Say something. This is how we felt after Chief Mm-mm. And then after the reporting of taking it on with all price. Mm-mm. No, and I don't care. See, I, I, I talked to them, and I let them know that Jesus was going to move. He was moving in on his body. And I'm telling you, watch God get rid of him. Watch it. Either they'll change or he'll, he'll get rid of them. All of a sudden, the gates are going to close up. The doors are going to shut. And you know why? Because they're misrepresenting him. And this is the hour of truth. Mm. This is not that hour of the flesh. The mm. flesh has now got to come under King Ooh. David. And he said, I don't like it. He said, I get sick of looking at their crotches. I get sick of them turning there behind me. He said, I hate it. And you know what? You may not agree with me, but watch Jesus show you that I'm right. Watch him show you. Mm. Honey, because let me tell you something. You ever get close to God when you're in water, wrong thing, and then mm. you realize a man's eyes are looking all in your tap. Oh, gee, but Jesus, like you didn't want him to see. Like you're about to put on the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like you're not gonna wear that, are you? Mm-mm. No, Lord. No. Ooh, I wasn't. <laughs> no, no, no. no, it's not that. I'm going <laughs> away right now. No, no, no. I just have to stay out of my closet to get rid of it. The summit. The near summit. Oh yeah, I was telling people they need to be here in November. <laughs> like you don't know. And people are like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yes. All right, do you want to say it? You have the details? Okay. November 14th through the 17th. 14th through the 17th, the week before Thanksgiving, we're going to kick off Wednesday night with orientation and, and some worship for the 14th. And I'm going to say No, you're good. I was going to say the Dignitaries Dinner, which is really special to November. We only yeah. have this in November. Um, so you can go online. You can start registering. We'll have the Dignitaries Dinner information up very mm-hmm. soon for you to actually RSVP. You can, anyone is invited right anyone. to the Dignitaries Open. Dinner. Anyone can purchase a ticket for that dinner. It's going to be really powerful. Um, and that kicks off Wednesday evening, um, the 14th, and then we go through Saturday, the 17th, and you can stay over and join us for a special service on the 18th. So if you want to plan your entire weekend, then plan to stay with us from Wednesday night for the Dignitaries Dinner Tomorrow. all the way through, yeah, from Monday morning, all right, so you don't miss anything, so you can stay over for that special mm-hmm. Sunday service that will happen on the 18th of November. Yes, we'll be back at the Double Tree. You'll be able to reserve your room starting next week. But that's where we will be. Mm-hmm. And you will love it. Bring all your friends. Bring your prophets. Bring your teachers. And I want to tell you something. I know that I sound forceful, but, you know, Bible says in Revelation 19, it said, Jesus said, but I will, he said, I'm going to make war with the, with the sword of my mouth. Mm. That's words. 
And sometimes you think we're attacking you, but I'm attacking why you can't be free. See, so my sword is cutting devils. Trust me, I'm going to leave you intact because we got to get you where God needs you to be. Hallelujah. But I am, I'm cutting, yes, you said. So I'm going to tell you, I am. Because, see, you have to understand that that other constitution authorized demons to be in God's house and devils to sit in his altar and stand at his pulpit. Apostles will not do that. Acts 26, 26, 18 will tell you what God's mind is on that. So that other, see, we have a counter church going on here, and that's what's been taken over. And it looked really nice, you know, because, well, we all grew up together, and, well, well, I mean, I mean, they wouldn't lie. I mean, they wouldn't err. They wouldn't mislead us. Oh, no. That, maybe that person wouldn't, but that covenant they made with darkness will, and you can make it unknowingly. You can make it, un, you know, unexpectedly, so subtly that when they come from the payoff, you're like, well, yeah. no, but I didn't mean it for that, but that's what you got. Hallelujah. Come on, prophet. I need some prophet talk now. All right. <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> when you were talking about is your church staging your church schools? Right there. Yeah, that was good. Black Box Theater, Broadway, all of that. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> is your church staging your experience? <laughs> you know, that's so true because I'm a theater major. <laughs> When you said those words, I thought, yes, because when you're staging something, everything is meant to force people emotionally to come to one place. You use aesthetics, you use sound, you use lighting, scents, fragrances, colors, Mm -hmm. all of that is intentional when something is staged. And so when you were talking about Mm-hmm. Come back on Black Box Theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly how those churches feel. Mm-hmm. When you walk Black, in, Black, the wall, walls are dark. Everything is you know, close to bring everything down. You can't really see what's going on. And it's like, am I in a show or am I in church? And a lot of times, I think what happened too is these people went to these concerts mm-hmm. where you have, it's a concert. And they brought that whole concert thing into the sanctuary of God. Every week, for every week, yeah. because they they wanted to replicate that staging. That's where that belongs on an entertain. I mean, it's supposed to, to be. Mm-hmm. Goes back to what she said too. You said earlier about the fact that we have to try to conjure up a Holy yes. Spirit type experience. Yes, because the Holy Spirit is missing from our churches. But I think the greatest strategy we don't realize that, no. so we don't know that having to force people into an emotional concert type, you know, all the lights are out there, strobe lights, this whole thing, that we're trying to force a feeling on people because of the mm-hmm. lack of the Holy Spirit, that, just like Jesus. And we're trying to compete with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because absolutely. we're so afraid, well, first of all, I think for a lot of people, God really isn't showing up. And then on top of that, we're so afraid that unless we have all of the other drama, mm-hmm. nobody's going to show up, and it's not going to be enough. Like, God is no longer enough. No. In a lot, and in many ways, he's not showing up because he's actually not a part of the program. Mm -mm. Like you said, his name is, his songs are, Mm -hmm. all those things. But even now, and Chief brought it up. I think she brought up last night, actually, Wednesday Warriors, which we went through institution. I thought that was very interesting. She says we do it every week. Yes, broke down the definition of institution last night, but we're today. Uh, How 
even now, the and the pendulum has been swinging that way with music mm-hmm. in Christendom. I can't even say worship music, just Christendom mm-hmm. music. It's become about family. And that started early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You saw the shift. And I was um, in the Salvation Army mm-hmm. shopping the other day. And they were playing all old school Christian songs, like not just, just not just a song, but that actual song from that was played in 1982, not yes. just the song we made. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, man, there was a reverence mm-hmm. to the sound of worship. One, it was just about worship. Mm-hmm. It was about the Lord. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, studio production or whatever, but it was just that the words that they were saying, the the sound that was coming out of the person's mouth, he was singing, not by Lord. Well, first of all, they, were, they, they, they believed in cleanness. That's true. So the first thing they did is believe in cleanness so the Holy Ghost could release the, the songs of heaven and release the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they use his name. Yes. You know, it's not like him, no. you, his. No, no, we use his name. How do you want somebody to get, sit there and have a roll call and because they're handing out paychecks and they don't use anybody's name? Right. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get mad because of that. What you do to Jesus, you wouldn't want anybody to do to you. And we do it to him as his family and as his church. What we do to this Lord, that's what he wants. He wants it. But you know what? He raised up for me probably 2.2 million more than we. Because I'm not doing that. His name is Jesus. We're going to use it. Aligned. We're going to talk about it. Sometimes we're going to call him by his first name. Sometimes we're going to call him by his last name. All his names. A few times we might just run down the list of names. He got so many because he is named after every name. So, but you're right. That is so yeah. irreverent. I mean, and I was sitting there, I was like, and you didn't realize you're missing. I'm shopping like, yes, I was like, oh. yes, Lord. You know, I'm like, this jacket works. I'm telling you. And when you go into some places and you hear that, you're like, right, we used to love you. Yes. Wow. We used to love you. A lot. We used to let you come in church. I mean, you know, uh-uh, but I'm speaking to a lot of pastors today because, you know, a lot of you all feel that way. Don't let your worship team determine the temperature of your church's faith in God and enjoyment of his presence. Your worship team, because my, my worship team used to bring me stuff. I'm like, no. That would be us. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say it. Did You're I say the it? only one that's been here. <laughs> well, you know, you said something interesting that goes with this. Um, when you were when we were talking in our own ministry about changing to um, you know official attire, we do worship, and you said at that time that irreverent attire invites the Holy Spirit to move in a way that irreverent attire does not do. Mm-hmm. And when you look at um, contemporary worship. Everything is so casual. Everybody's dressed so casually, casual, casual streetwear. Mm-hmm. And we don't think that that has affected the Holy Spirit's ability to move because we're doing it in the name of what we call liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't realize that we are freeing ourselves from Christ. And I, I think that that's a really important thing mm-hmm. that you said, you know, that we're in the name of liberty. What mm-hmm. we're freeing ourselves from is the God that we say that we're serving. We're loosing ourselves from the vine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like we are we are deciding to move forward without his presence, without his holiness. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're actually being liberated from. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize that. 
that's what it is. But, um, you know, you've talked about this before. We would be more reverent to meet the President of the United States yes. than we would be to meet our, to have an audience with our God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really struck me that day, you know, yeah. realizing that that's part of the reason why the Holy Spirit has left a lot of, we don't have the presence of God, so we are trying to simulate everything that we can. Yeah, because exactly. we, mm-hmm. Right, because we do not have audience with him when we're mm-hmm. doing these services. No. Um, and we don't recognize that's what it is. And you know this, from the first Sunday we changed our attire, worship has been different. And, I'm not, and the power yeah. of God, it's like, but it's almost like his yeah. wing. His wings just set up. One of the things I would tell you, because, you know, having done this, I like that the phrase you use, freeing yourself. Because yeah. that's what yeah. this libertarian movement is. Liberty is freeing yourself from Jesus Christ. Because mm-hmm. liberty is the, the, the uh, mantra of secularism, yes. you know? I mean, yeah. it's freeing yourself from religion. It's freeing yourself from Jesus Christ. And so you have young people all around the world who are proud, and they don't even know any better. They have never felt the real, they like Balaam. I, now my eyes are open. They have never felt the real Jesus because they've had all of those feelings. So because the attitude is, I can sing without Jesus. I can preach without Jesus. Yeah. I don't need Jesus to do anything. And when you're 19, you may not. May not, because you're getting bad out there. But to tell something, to sit there and tell this man, you're not going to say. Now, why is it that, the, that, how do we say that? Like, how do I know? It? Um, I was talking yesterday. I, when I was in ministry, I don't know, maybe, maybe three, six years, I had to preach at this place that was uh, creamery or something, and then they bought it. And so, you know, the spirit of death was all over it. Now, I'm six years in God as a minister, because, I, you know, has started and I'm standing there, so I have to do a week of services in this dead zone. And when you walked in, first of all, death knew me. I knew death, and they were mad at me for being there. And so... <laughs> I mean, I was lighting here for. Oh, baby, because you don't know you walk in power till you walk in their places. And you realize, oh, I'm accustomed to it, but it does show. It works. So... The, the thing didn't like me, and I, I was, you know, and I was trying to worship because I will not minister if I can't worship because mm-hmm. I got to bring my Jesus. You understand? Mm-hmm. I came with my Jesus. I got to bring my Jesus. So I'm holding on. I'm unpacking. When I worship, I'm unpacking Jesus. You know, I have to bring my Jesus. So when I'm standing, I'm unpacking the Holy Ghost. I'm unpacking Jesus Christ. I'm unpacking the God here through every song, every worship, and I'm giving them, you know, free course in the environment. And I also want them to be able to hear what's coming on and begin to respond by touching the people. So. I'm sitting there, I'm standing there, so day one, and it's horrible. So I go home that night, because so Jesus and I, we have done those kind of conversations. I said, now listen, Lord, I'm going to need you to help me, because this spirit of death, and there's a lot of them, I said, God, they are planting. And so I went to sleep, and I, we went back the next night, walked in the door. This angel, I'm telling you, this brother had to be 40 feet tall. His wingspan touched the room. I said, and I never saw such white. The feathers were white. And so I'm just, and he stands with me. He just stands like this. And I'm right. saying, baby, I'm hitting notes. I didn't know. Having his sense. I'm hitting notes. I mean, words are running. I'm making runs like I've never made. And I'm like, the music people didn't play right. I said, y'all, stop. I got this. Honey, and I'm telling you, that thing stayed with me. That angel stayed with me all week. And I said, so God, who is he? He said, he's one of my priestly angels. He said, I sent him from my temple. Woo! I said, don't tell me God doesn't respond. See, you don't have him because you don't want him. So, my God. Honey, so I was sitting there, you know, 
and I was um, going through all of this, and, I'm, and I've been doing it over and over again. And sometimes I, I'll go in places, and they're waiting for me. Like, but I know that I, if I stand up and don't give this man his glory, it's not the same move because God wants me to, I'm, I'm the portal of the Holy Ghost. I'm the portal of heaven and all the heavenly hosts be following with me. Yes. And I know that. My, man, that's in the COVID. And so I, ta- I remember we talked about it, Norma, remember? And I talked about when I was sitting in a conference here in Tulsa, 1998, major ministry died. Anyway, I was sitting in the conference and I mean, and the sound was good, and I looked over to the musicians, and there were three huge angels, and God said, I'm done with this. Two angels went through the roof, and they, they went another year or two on one angel. One, priestly angels. See, y'all don't know that. See, you don't know that God has priestly angels assigned and stationed to your church. You're so busy with your smoke and marriage, you don't even give God a chance to do anything to get it done. But I'm telling you that when you do it, and I'm telling you, again, I've always seen it when people were dressed in right attire. When people are dressed in wrong attire, it's always hollow. You have all, and everybody's just walking at the mouth, and we're looking around like, this is really hollow because it's empty. Because the angels said, God is holy. They, they come to manifest his holiness. Yeah. And you all don't care about that. To you standing up there with them little raggedy jeans on, your knees torn out, your pocket torn out, your butt and carrying on, and you try to sell us, trying to sell us on, on oh, that's Jesus. No, uh, uh, that's that false Jesus. Somebody preached to you another Jesus and you bought in. Somebody preached to you another gospel, you bought in, and it made you irreverent yeah. and inconsiderate of God's feelings. Now, if you pastors want God to come back, you need to clean up your people. Now, I got, first of all, nobody going to wear no raggedy jeans because in my church, we had them a couple of times. I was like, I need you to tell them. And I'm, I'm mm-mm, not doing it. But nobody on my ministry's path dresses for Satan. Nobody. I said, that's satanic wear. They call it satanic, don't they? Oh, yeah. They call it that. Why, can't, why don't we register that that's what it is? They did not make that for you to bring Jesus Christ. Well, you didn't hide it anymore. I mean, there was a time when you had to, like, search and dig <laughs> and find out the, the demonic roots of things, and now it's the label. The label it's is the label. label. And, and, and so they call it satanic wear, you won't call it Christianized. They made that to push Satan away, to, to push Jesus away, and you're trying to say that you can wear it and keep Jesus and draw Jesus closer. That is a lie. Mm-hmm. And I release in the spirit of God. I release mm-hmm. in the heavens because about time somebody take this thing on in the airways. And I'm telling you, I release in the heavens that lying devil, this Christianizing sin. I pull that spirit down by the Holy Ghost. I shut down. I cut its tentacles off the people of God. I access that off, and I command that thing to dissipate in Jesus' name. I, I speak to the witchcraft that caught you to buy into that lying devil. That's a lying spirit. That's a lying yeah. doctor. I speak yeah. to that. Your salvation is not based on your sexuality. Stop telling people that. It's not true. Your salvation is not based on your fashion sense. It's not true. Your salvation is based on Christ in you, the hope of glory. I send forth the angels of God, church to church to church. Yeah. God, to those that want you, deliver them from it. And those that don't, shut them down. Yeah. In yeah. Jesus' name. Yeah. See, this is why they said apostles and prophets have done away with it. Because, see, we're the same people that Ananias said, why you let the Holy Ghost, why you let Satan out of you? Why'd you do that? 
I mean, I'm afraid of the apostles. No, no, because you know what? My, I am a, an agent of the throne of Christ. I am a royal agent of Jesus Christ. I am not out in the field with the village people. I'm not over there with the little inlet. I am not that. I am sent from the throne of Christ, the very face of Jesus Christ Almighty. He is my honey. He is God Almighty. And what y'all doing to him is terrible. And he is being patient because he's trying to make sure your generations come into the planet. But let me tell you something. I'm cutting that thing off. We're taking that thing. We're taking it, and we're taking it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And you can rest assured that me, and I'm, I'm convinced, a ton of other apostles around the world, and said, we're taking this back. We are taking it. We're the first office that took you out, and we will take you out again. In Jesus' name, it shall be. I'm not letting him do that. I, I, I fucking got it. Why you keep letting him do that to you? I said, wait, Jesus, I'm going to get it. Lord, I bind up your own Yes, I do. Lucy, Lord. Lucy, because I'm going to get I told you, make me, you loose me and see what I won't do. You, I'm going to show enough. I'm gonna, they're going to get Jesus coming. Jesus coming. Jesus resting, Jesus sleeping, Jesus wrestling, Jesus right. working. Yes, we are. I am, I, I am proud of this man. I'm telling you, this man is like nothing you ever met. And you all have been talked out of knowing him, talked out yeah. of loving him, talked out of enjoying him. I've never had more enjoyable times in my life than with the Lord Jesus Christ. This man is amazing. And he's stunning, and he's scary, and he's delightful, and he's loving, and he's merciful, and he's scary, and he's... <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern. <laughs> the man is delightful. I'm telling you, and I say to God all the time, your church has never tasted this. Come on, God. We got to get this out of here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a sweetheart. And I'm telling you, his apostles, he's given us a shot through the, the divine, the Godhead canon, not this other canon. And let me tell you something. We're pushing that back for the time of the end. But right now, reigning right now is the Godhead canon, apostle and prophet. We're taking the seats of power, not these fake ones. We're taking it for real. Because I want Jesus to have everything. I told him if I can give you everything, I would. I mean, I said, I know you own it, but I'm going to take it from you so I can give it back to you. Because you are just that worthy. He is worthy. Jesus, I got this out your closet. Here. <laughs> you can't do it. Look, honey, I want to give you a gift. I took this off your shelf. You're going to love it. Here you go. And give it up because I want him to have everything. I want to give him everything. You want so much for yourself. You don't know how to want things for him. But I want things for him. I want him to have his world. I want him to have what he gave his life's blood for. And, the, and when you are moving out there, a lot of you are not, if you're not apostles and prophets, you're still apostolic and prophetic, and you feel that. You're like, but no, but this isn't right. This is his. I'm, I'm, and, I, and we're in a give it back to Jesus mode. This thing will fly for a very long time. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the media tells you. I'm telling you, heaven did not move its forces to earth for 30 minutes. It took him like 30 years to get here and get set up. I'm like, Jesus, y'all, y'all finally arrived. Yes. You know, we were fighting, sharing the story about the angels or whatever. We were fighting Friday night for the live taping, and I mean, we were fighting. And oh, I mean, cat. it was crazy. Cat. You know, when you have to bind up the tech devils, you know, because that's that somebody got that, you know, that's how they want to do the assassination of the project. And so we were right ever. So I'm, I, I was start with surgery. I was going on, but honey, let me tell you, my team was like, no. 
we got to stop this. I said, stop, and I got to start all over again? Yeah. And which was, turned out to be great. So I'm, I'm in the ladies' room while they're fixing the tech. And I'm in the ladies' room, and I'm sitting there, and I mean, it's the warfare is intense. And God said, but you own this, right? I said, I do. And I began to speak down. I'm telling you, baby, I'm telling you, one of God's angels broke through the heaven, hit the ground in that hotel. And to this day, we still don't know what happened. And I said, oh, y'all came? Oh, man. <laughs> Team Supreme is on the ground? Oh, right. yeah, they got this. And I want you to know, and I call them that all the time. I said, I, I do. I said, come on, Team Supreme, let's go. Because, you know, that's the team of the Supreme God. So we're going to have Team Supreme. Yeah. So I said, come on, honey, only one. Didn't even take the host. Just one. Mm-hmm. Came in, switched that entire atmosphere. Yep. We got caught up. I got caught up. Maybe y'all did. I got so caught up in what I, I did not know time passed. She thought, okay, she so want to come back from the break and do the second part of the show. We're like, no, we're done. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get it. You did the whole show. <laughs> I did? When? <laughs> when? <laughs> Five hours. <laughs> I got, I mean, got lost. And the, the, the Lord, see, the Lord's angels, I'm telling, I'm going to say this because we're getting ready to close. Let me say this. Don't forget, so a seed to me. Let me say this, and we're going to talk about it soon. Norma found a nice little letter talking about the satanic missionaries. Okay? She's going to print that up. We're going to put that up on my site so y'all can see what the plan is because y'all don't know. But, and so, you know, the, the, their job, their word is constantly, um, it's our time, and the future is ours. First of all, the future is God's. It's been written. You're written in, so you can be written out. But I just want to say to you as Christians and as the people of God, the children of God, as God's royal priesthood, as God's nation of kings and priests, I want to tell you something. The future was never theirs, and it can't be any less theirs than today. So I want to tell you, the future is ours. And you know why? Because our future came from Jesus' Omega. See, Jesus backed up in time. They're fighting a man who was finished. You're literally fighting a finished work. And so, you know, I keep telling people, um, we are God's kids. We own this planet. We own it because of the blood of the lamb, because our God's blood touched the earth. Our God, not a dead animal, not a dead cow, not a dead person, and not a dead corpse. We own this, Christians, and y'all better rise up and act like you know we own this. We are offspring of the Godhead. If we're going to call ourselves kings and priests, it's only because we were born of a God, because that's where it all begins. And so we are offspring of the Godhead. I don't care about their technology. I'm pushing back their date. It won't be 2050. I'm Jesus' name, and i got the host of heaven dropping in every single day saying what you want, what we're going to do. While I push back your date, we own this. The future is ours because we were in Omega before we ever got to Alpha. We were in Christ before the foundation of the world. I need you to rise up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I need you to start being Christian. I need you to exit the false church, come out of that false constitution, come into the righteousness of God. I need you to put on it. Get rid of those black boxes in your churches. Get ready to praise God. Put some decent clothes on you so heaven wants to sing with you. I need you 
to act like this is ours and it's not ours to pervert. God already has a team to pervert the earth called Satanism. He does not need you to help them pervert the earth. You need to be a part with going to make this work. So I summon you. I send this out as a clarion call by the Holy Ghost of God. And I'm telling you, I commission you to rise up and stand in your place and do what God needs. Represent the righteous God. Represent the true Jesus Christ. Push back on this darkness and Shut down that witchcraft. You prophets, you are the only office that God has used to shut down witchcraft until Jesus came. Your office did it. You are the ones that did it. Your master took it out. Your master took it out. Lest we forget Mount Carmel, that was a prophet. Come on. I need you all to quicken. I quicken you by the Holy Ghost. Get up and do your job. The Holy Ghost told me to say this to you today. He said, tell him, I said, do their job. Get up and do your job. Learn it so you can do it well. Hallelujah. We done ran out of time. I had fun. I'm going to see you Sunday. Organic cultural modified Christianity as the congregation of the mighty where God stands. Don't forget, tune in then. I love you. So a seed. And let me know what you feel about that residence module. Love you. Family, you're my best. Sugar punch. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.